Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MYBETUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. What is supposed to be a damning evaluation of Kirby Smart doesn't really end up that way. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Thursday. Appreciate everybody getting in. Back from Harris, Cherokee, Cherokee, North Carolina, broadcasting live from the book yesterday. Now we're back in studio. We're going to be there again next month, uh, December. And I uh, hope I got some tickets to cash. Had a good time yesterday. Um, When it comes to Kirby Smart, and any sort of evaluation of him, there is a bottom line evaluation. What's his job? Job is to win games. Win games for Georgia. So so that's the job. But there is another part of that evaluation that mystifies me. And it's why five-star quarterbacks, four-star quarterbacks, elite transfers continue to go to Athens. Do you know a I think I I think beyond argument evaluation of Kirby and the Georgia program since he arrived in December of 15 not one quarterback who Kirby Smart has brought into the program has had it work out for him not one not at Georgia I'm saying developmental wise I showed up as this three or four or five years later I left as this not one quarterback who Kirby has brought into the program has had it work out for him vault to the next level wise not while playing for Kirby and had it work out for him we all know what that phrase means go recruit by recruit folks and already did it for us Uh, Every quarterback that the Georgia program has signed since December of 2015, 
I'm all ears. Who has it worked out for? Based on what we know, every single one of these massive quarterback recruits had in mind when signing the paper. Ask yourself now. I'm going to ask Dan. Y'all ask yourself now, all right, while, while I'm asking Dan. Dan, five-star quarterback signs with a giant SEC program. What does he believe his life will be in three or four years? It's on to the next level. First-round draft pick. I'm going. I may even go early. Every single kid. If he is some sort of unbelievable, quote, water bug, like a 5'10 option quarterback, he might be a five-star recruit. As a safety or wide receiver or running, like Cam Akers. He was an option quarterback in Mississippi, I believe. He's this five-star recruit as a running back. So I'm not talking about the kid who's a five-star recruit but's going to change positions. I'm not talking about the, the 5'10 recruit who's going to play at Air Force or Navy. I'm talk- I asked Dan, hey, Dan, what's a five-star recruit who signs with a Heritage SEC program think? And he's going to the NFL. And that's exactly what every one of these kids thought. You form in your own mind what each one of the following massive quarterback recruits had in his mind when he showed up in Athens, signed the papers, got Clark County. First, Jacob Eason. Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, Dewan Mathis, Carson Beck, Jamie Newman, JT Daniels, Austin Kirksey, who was a transfer in from Nevada, Brock Vandegrift, and then the one who, based on his goals, it's worked, Stetson Bennett. He's the only one. Outside of Stetson Bennett the fourth. If the goals of these recruits, these five-star quarterback recruits, okay, if the goal of the five-star quarterback recruit was to be on a roster for four years and get some really cool rings, check that box. All right, you're George W., mission accomplished, plant the flag. Truth is, that is kind of far down the list of why these recruits, these four-star, five-star quarterbacks, these recruits signed on with Kirby in Georgia. Now, when I say that it sounds like a tough evaluation and criticism, I think it's just fair observation with very little opinion included. I said that while this looks like criticism – Actually, isn't because Kirby knows what his job is. And his job is not to stock the NFL with first round quarterbacks. His job is to win games on Saturdays. Now, it is an avenue that will help you win games on Saturdays if you can say we've had six first round quarterbacks in the last 13 years. You're like, woo, that's like USC and two of them won Heisman's. That's USC sort of stuff if we go back, you know, 10, 12 years. That's what you could be saying. Now, that helps you get the next stud and et cetera. But that's a, that's a selling point. Kirby is proving doesn't matter. Until Tua, Alabama hadn't had a first-round quarterback since 1976. So, again... It, it is an avenue that some programs can use 
We put quarterbacks into the NFL. They go early. They're first-round picks. That's what we do. And the quarterback's like, all right, sold. Honestly, Kirby, I don't know how he's selling to these kids. Gunnar Stockton's the next one. He's a five-star. He's in. He was going to South Carolina. They can will. He's like, yeah, I'd decommit. Oh, Georgia. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll play for you. So, that, I mean, he keeps getting them there. And that's Kirby's job, to then win games with whoever he brings onto the roster in Athens. And I believe it would help if he would have said, yeah, Jake Fromm. See, Jake Fromm's in the NFL. He was a fifth-round pick, 167th overall, and Buffalo cut him after the first year. Signed him back, put him on the practice squad. Jack, Jacob Eason, he was picked, I think, in the fourth round. He's already on his second team. So who has it really worked out for? Not a single kid from the kid's perspective. Because I promise you, not one of them said, I'm going to go to Athens. I just want to be a good teammate, graduate, and get some awesome rings that will maybe open the door and help me get a job later in life. Not one five-star recruit went to Georgia looking for that. And again, it's, it's a way some schools use to succeed. Kirby's succeeding despite having literally none of that on his resume. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Couldn't consider it because of of timing, you know, alone, uh, let alone my love for Arkansas, but you just can't, you know, it's hard to go into a job and then leave three or four weeks later whenever you just said, hey, this is the greatest place in the world. It, it just didn't make any sense to Jamie and I. Sam Pittman. And if he said it, I'm going to assume it's true. Arkansas head coach and explaining why he's the Arkansas head coach and uh, not working for Nick Saban at Alabama. How funny is it, though, where it's right there just a couple of years later, Hey, uh, that offensive line coach that uh, you wanted to bring here from Arkansas, what's his name again? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sam Pittman, um, just a, a really, really good guy, and, and that's fantastic to lead with. I hope we all know that's extra. That's what I would like it to be. What a really, really nice guy. I'm not hiring a best friend. Bill Parcells, when um, I think it was I think it was George Young was the – I believe the legendary GM with the New York Giants back in the day, and he hired Bill Parcells. And, you know, what do you do whenever you're a football coach anywhere? It'd be high school in Mississippi or the New York Giants. What what do you do in the offseason at least probably 10 times? You have to go play golf somewhere. Whether you want to play golf or not, or whether you do play golf or whether you enjoy it, doesn't matter. you got to go play golf. It's kind of like, like the president. You kind of have to go play golf, don't you? There are just times. So Bill Parcells kept turning him down, and finally he told George James, like, I had to tell him, you didn't hire a golfing partner. You hired a head coach. I'm busy. I got stuff. So Sam Pittman, head coach out there, and but it, it's 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 extra that we love him so much. 
I didn't hire a best friend. Um, that is a again, like I was saying, you know, five star quarterbacks. It's an avenue. Hey, we put all these guys in the NFL, and it's part of the reason people want to play for Sam Pittman. Um, who else do high school recruits want to play for? Mm, they want to play for Dabo Swinney. He certainly fits that. Uh, they want to play for Jimbo Fisher, not as much. They want to play for Nick Saban, not really. Um, it's a mixed bag. It is. Ryan Day, never heard anything about him being ornery. Not one thing. Now, I have talked about the need that once you are a head coach, there is one way that you need to be, I mean, just cold, frigid, all right? You need, to, like, nuclear winter. When it comes to the concept, and I heard Pete Carroll say it, like walk up to a senior say that freshman's better he plays you got to be cold on the recruiting trail hi you had a scholarship and now you don't but coach no not even like we got a new coach no I offered you a scholarship just kidding but but why you know what the answer should be because we found a better kid Welcome to the real world. I've said it. I'll give the NFL credit on one front. Now, in no way does a 21 or 22-year-old kid getting a – back in the day, do you know what the first overall pick we get? Like Sam Bradford might have been the last – or Matt Stafford. First overall pick got a contract worth like $70, 75000000 million. That's not real life. Other than that, and that's been corrected – with the CBA, mostly. Other than that, the NFL mimics real-life employment more than any other pro league. I remember Sean Alexander. Didn't he set, like, the single-season touchdown record? Priest Holmes had it, and then Sean Alexander scored, like, 30 touchdowns. Dan scored 30 touchdowns in a season, I think. And then it might have been two years later or three. He couldn't do it anymore. He was great. He got paid. He couldn't perform. You're out of a job. That's real life. NBA is not real life. NBA, they have this, this thing called the amnesty clause, the Allen Houston rule. There are teams, there's a team, the New Jersey Nets, I believe it was. They extended a guy, Andre Blatch, and then Allen Houston him, amnestied him before he ever played. Like, that's not real life. Major League Baseball? There's a guy who plays for the um, uh, Rockies, Trevor Story. He's going to sign a contract. It might be $300 million this year. If suddenly he stinks, he gets every last. That's not real life. Sean Alexander, NFL MVP. Kaboom. Breaking bad storage facility. Was it three years later? You suck. You can't perform anymore. You're out of a job. That's kind of real life. Damn, what's up? It was only a year later that LaDainian Tomlinson broke his record. 
2006, he had 28. Wow. He had 27 wow. in 2005 for uh, Sean Alexander. And then Alex, like three years later, I bet he was done. Yeah, it's one of those things. Running backs and closers in baseball, it, it's one of those what that happened. It, no, it, that, that's exactly it. Because once that fastball goes away, once I mean, that and, game and comes down, man. It, that's it. That's it. It's off a cliff. Like I talked about yesterday with programs that, you know, you need to enjoy winning while you have it. Um, I'm going to bring back the ghost of Jerry Tarkanian for a second. We're kind of going across all sports here. Is Jerry Tarkanian years ago had a famous saying in regards to the NCAA. The NCAA was so mad at Kentucky that they put Cleveland State on probation. In this case right here, sub out the NCAA and put in Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. I'm sure you saw this story break last night, Chuck, that uh, big bad Bob Bowlesby, I guess we can call him now, of the Big 12, uh, sending out a public reprimand to the Texas Tech football announcers for their call of the home win that they had, which if you haven't seen it now, an incredible ending against Iowa State, the 62-yard field goal. Apparently, play-by-play man Brian Jensen and analyst John Harris had the list of officials in the game, which I guess they just had an awful night. Look, how many times have we ever not heard a homer, home broadcast who says, gosh, this crew has just been terrible tonight, and they listed off the names. This is the part with Bob Bowlesby that I took real exception with is his statement yesterday of saying that the league had removed them, which I don't really understand how they have the power to do, but regardless... I understand the roles of the play-by-play and color analyst. You do. So you've been in both positions. You know exactly what goes in, the preparation that goes into every game, actually being able to call the game, being able to see things that happen, rely on your spotter, relying on your statistician. Hey, let's go down the sidelines. All the different types of things that come with that. In all of your infinite wisdom of being the commissioner of the Big 12, which is a fledgling conference, by the way, you're so angry that you didn't do this to Texas. You didn't do this to Oklahoma. You didn't do this. You did it to Texas Tech, a program who was trying to rebuild and rebound from whatever success they might have had in the past. So that's how mad that you want to show this, that you want to say, I'm Bob Bowlesby. I'm going to flex my muscles, and I'm going to show that the Big 12 means business here. How dare you read off the names of the officials and where they are on the field? That is completely unacceptable. We cannot have that. Bob, what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think that people are immediately going to go home and say, oh, Ooh, they told me where you know line judge Phil Jamison is on the field. I need to find out where line judge Phil Jamison lives, and I need to do something about this. Bob, nobody's going to seek retribution for a game against Iowa State. Get over yourself. You're in way over your skis. You proved that over the summer with how you handled the whole Texas and OU situation, and now you do this. You're pretty ridiculous, dude. He created a story that wasn't there. Like It's almost as if he were sitting around going, um, I would like to release a statement that will, will reflect really poorly on me individually, my leadership, and then just the conference in general. Let's see, what would be really petty and small and actually probably beyond the reach of my authority? Oh, that's right. A conference will suspend a broadcast crew that works for IMG Lear- Learfield. It would be like the SEC, like Greg Sankey saying, we're going to suspend Gary Danielson for Saturday's broadcast. Exact same thing. And, I, I, again, it's only Thursday. He may be able to, Bowlesby may be able to kind of skip this for a couple of days. There's a chance those guys are actually on the broadcast this weekend. Another great weekend ahead in pro and college football. Let's get you a look at the lines brought to you by BetUS. Hi, I'm Dan Matthews, and let's get you ready to win some money. 
Let's start with Ohio State being a huge favorite over Michigan State at home. Buckeyes are giving 19. They are minus 1,200 on the money line. Spartans are plus 750 over under 68 and a half. Clemson hosting Wake Forest and giving four and a hook. Tigers are minus 190 money line. Demon Deacons plus 165. Over under is 56 and a half. Arkansas is at Alabama Crimson Tide favored by 20 and a half. They are minus 1600 money line. Razorbacks are plus 900 over under is 58. Auburn, a seven and a half point road favorite against South Carolina. Tigers are minus 300 on the money line. Gamecocks are plus 250 over under is 45. Oregon, three-and-a-half-point dog on the road against Utah. The Utes are minus 160 on the money line. Ducks are plus 140. Over-under is 59. A couple on the pros. How about the Bengals at the Raiders? Cincinnati favored by just a point. The over-under is 50 and a hook. Cowboys are at the Chiefs. Kansas City, a home two-and-a-half-point favorite. They are minus 140 money line, plus 120 for Dallas. Over-under is 56-and-a-half. Let's give you a chance to earn some extra money when you sign up with BetUS. How about the promo code SST125? With this promo code, BetUS giving you a 125% sign-up bonus. For example, that first deposit, $100, you're getting $125 extra. You're using cryptocurrency, pretty popular nowadays. How about enter the promo code SST200? When you do this, you get a 200% sign-up bonus on crypto deposits. So if that first deposit is $100, you're getting $200 extra. Let's look at some of the odds brought to you by BetUS, America's favorite sports book, for over 25 years. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. This weekend in your SEC, there is a... Very good chance that the most competitive, nip-and-tuck, how's-it-going-to-go game, because it's on the road for Auburn, there's a chance that the, quote, best game is Auburn at South Carolina. Now, it should not be that way. And that's partly because Auburn, but that's partly because of the rest of the schedule in the conference. It really shouldn't be this way. And that's kind of been a story this way. I've already seen it multiple times. Ah, it's a weekend to get all your Christmas shopping done or go get the tree or, you know, do whatever and get some honey points so that the next couple of weeks you can use those credits. Um, and that's, that's, that's a fair case to be made. If you want to go back and look at the schedules of previous greatest teams ever, 72 USC might be the greatest team in college football history. There's no – they opened the season with number four Arkansas. 79 Alabama. I mean, go look at their schedule. There's no cupcakes anywhere on the entire thing. 1986 Oklahoma coming off a national championship. Talk about, like, writing your own ticket. They opened the season with number four UCLA and at Miami, number two. They're like, bring it on. We're good. Now, to mitigate that, quick story about SEC media days about, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago. 
I'm working with a co-host, and this Alabama player walks up, and he says, oh, that's the guard, the offensive lineman. I said, no, that's Rolando McClain. He plays linebacker. I said, he just looks like a guard. Players have never been bigger and faster and stronger, and there were no 275-pound defensive ends running 4.58 in 1972. So there were fewer games at all. That's why you kind of build this into it. It's just what it is. If you don't want cupcakes, we can go back to an 11-game schedule. That may do something for you. Want to welcome on right now, senior national columnist, Saturday Down South, one of my favorite sites, and just a really, really good guy. Does a great job covering my sport. Uh, it is Connor O'Gara. Connor, amigo, how you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I, I call this week Cake Week. I, I think it needs a rebranding. I, I think a lot of people like to poke fun. Cupcake invites that, that that sort of hate from the outside world. And you can't hate on Cake Week. You can hate on Cupcake Week a lot easier than that. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I think at Halloween every year, I look down, and I'm like, what's fun about half of a candy bar? You know, fun. No, it's not fun size. And you're right. Cupcake is it's that's a small portion. Nobody really wants that cake week. I agree with you on that. The point I'm making about how you now it's a different game. It's a different sport now. Um, I I think that that sort of mitigates. It sort of explains why if you're going to add a week, well, then it's okay to add a game against whomever it is from a different level. That's my opinion. I kind of get it. I'm all right with it. There, there, There are fans who want to tell Greg Sankey they're going to be waiting in the parking lot for him. And I get it. And look, there, there's a, an argument to be made that it weakens the schedule. The, the Big Ten had a nine-game conference schedule added in 2016, and they originally had the eight-game conference schedule, and they went to, to nine games because they wanted to create a better package for their fans. They wanted to add that extra home game, and you could sell it as a TV package. And there's a, a time and place to discuss that in the future with conference expansion in the SEC. But for now, I mean, the SEC has cracked the code. This is the formula. This is the way to do it. And look, I'm I'm one of those people. I want to see competitive games. Don't get it twisted. It's a bummer that we don't get more competitive games. But, you know, Greg Sankey and the SEC, they've always gone about this in a way that they can best help themselves for the postseason. Now, is Cupcake Week the only reason that the SEC has won 11 of the last 15 national championships? No. It's not, but it's an easy thing for other conferences to point at and say, see, they, oh, they're watering down the field. But if you actually break it down in terms of the amount of quality opponents that each conference has to face to get to this point of the season, the numbers show that it's still on, in favor of the SEC. The SEC isn't getting to this point of the year just by playing cupcakes every single week. It's just the timing of the week and the fact that everybody else is ramping up for this late yep. season run. And the SEC is like, all right, you know, we're going to put this in the schedule and you know what, make of it what you will, but we we believe in the strength of our conference and i absolutely agree with you i've talked about this actually just a couple of weeks ago um about david shaw being all chest out at their media day about we're playing an all power five uh, schedule this year i was like good for you and it reminds me of every time you have a conference commissioner we play a nine game we want to reward our fans and i'm like greg sankey's in birmingham laughing his head off Oh, gosh. Chuck, I used to go to Big Ten Media Days, and I I just sit there and laugh at these Big Ten coaches like James Franklin who want to brag about the nine-game conference schedule. I'm like, all right, cool. Continue to brag about a system in which you're getting your conference champion left out of the playoff. 
That's all well and good. Sure. Continue to brag about APR and things that nobody actually cares about. And the SEC will continue to go out there, send a team to the playoff, maybe two, win national championships, and actually be the premier conference in this sport. You continue to worry about that. Pretend like you didn't do it for money because that's really what you did it for. And you know what? The SEC is going to have this thing figured out. It's going to continue to make money hand over fist. And it's going to continue to win championships. But, yeah, this belief that you need to you need to be on this level and it's for the good of the game and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's just ridiculous. You're just shooting yourself in the foot by doing it. Oh, yeah. We got moral high ground. Well, we got crystal footballs. So, um, yeah. I'll, I'll take the trade. Uh, address one of my other statements, and I wish it wasn't so, as obviously as an Auburn grad, but I think this game in Columbus, uh, I mean, in Columbia, I think it's a touchdown. The number is a t- Auburn's by a touchdown, but – um, this is probably, for me, the most competitive. There's a lot of questions going on both sides coming into the entire weekend uh, on the SEC schedule. Yeah, it's an interesting game because of T.J. Finley now being the starter for Auburn and gets his first career start with Auburn. And we saw what he did last year against the South Carolina team, who is very, very different than last year in, in so many different pieces on that side of the ball. And obviously, T.J. Finley had different surroundings himself doing that at LSU. But you know, the question that we that we want to know is, is South Carolina going to play like a team with that sense of urgency? You've got a bowl berth sitting right there for you and an Auburn team that's all of a sudden out of it. I mean, we're like 10, 11 days removed from being like, hey, you know, Auburn, can they make it into the playoff with two losses, something like that? And it's a very intriguing game because you just don't know how Auburn's going to show up after blowing a 28-3 to lead. I I think they're going to have a bounce back week. I think Derek Mason's defense is better than what we were giving it credit for. It just ran into a situation where it couldn't really make those adjustments. I think they win that game in Columbia, but man, it it is intriguing, and I, I wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago. All right, well, let's talk uh, not really on field, but uh, fill in a coaching position in Baton Rouge. Uh, Any evolving, meandering opinion of yours? Man, I, I told people at this time yesterday, I still think Mel Tucker's the guy. <laughs> and go figure. $95 million says it's not. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember when 10 years, $75 million for Jimbo Fisher was an absurd contract. And here we are just a few years later, Mel Tucker's getting that kind of money. But yeah, I, I look at this situation and to me, two big names are, are becoming more obvious. Dave Aranda being one of them, guy who is obviously well-liked in Baton Rouge and <laughs> I'd love to see Ed Ogeron if he found out that that Dave Aranda was taking his job because clearly those two guys were not on the same page by the time things were all said and done there. And then, yeah, it's not the splashy hire, and it wouldn't be for Scott Woodward, but what about Billy Napier? I mean, he's kind of the guy who theoretically would be there, and it's not necessarily about making that big splash. It's about getting the right person there. You know, splash is all well and good for selling a press conference, for selling tickets. They don't need that at LSU. That's not what they're worried about. They're worried about winning championships. Get the right person in there. I think those are the two names that continue to stand out. And until we're, we're told otherwise, we're you know of the impression that they're, they're going to be in play. Personally, I'd go after Lane Kiffin. I'd swing for the fences and hope that that state law in Mississippi where you can only have oh, yeah. four-year contracts, yep. that I would try and play that up and go in there with a, a smash of an offer. But – I think that, you know, the Lincoln-Riley thing, I don't really think there's a lot of legs to that. I think he stays at Oklahoma, but that would be kind of the three that I would narrow this down to. 
Um, last thing for you, and it's not going to matter, but uh, Durante and Ed and everybody else who has input on defense, where were you? Um, they held Ole Miss after the announcement of the firing. Suddenly they're like, all right, let's play some defense. Uh, they held Ole Miss below their average at least, about a touchdown. And then after the bye week, it's been like really good defense. They're 0-3, but it's been really good defense. I'm like, where was this? Chuck, those guys are, are still playing their tails off. They, they absolutely are. And I give them so much credit. Moe Clark is having one of those underrated years. Absolutely Jay true. Wolf. Oh, man. He makes every single tackle. Yeah. And yeah, if, he runs. That's all he does. He runs all day, 60 minutes. He's over there running. Yeah. I mean, to, to have a guy playing like that at this level, considering what LSU season has become, it is important. Neil Farrell, you have Jay Ward and Cordell Flott. When he's been healthy, he's been tremendous. He was back out there last week against Arkansas. And yeah, that's the thing that you have to praise. And it kind of makes you wonder, look, if they hire an offensive-minded head coach, would you keep Durante Jones as a defensive coordinator? Because he's making a really, really good case right now. He's making a much better case than Jake Peets, I would say, in terms of keeping his job at LSU. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world that they decided, you know what? We kind of like what we got. We got the continuity. We found our identity defensively after it was such a disaster in the first part of this year. And, of course, last year, the failed experiment of Bo Pelini. I wouldn't hate it if LSU's next coach decided, hey, Durante Jones, you want to stay on board and, and do this thing and we'll really make this thing go so yeah i agree with you 100 they're playing their tails off and they they deserve to have a couple of wins to show for it appreciate it so much connor thank you man absolutely appreciate it chuck connor guerra saturday down south um yeah just i mean giant praise for the lsu the kids in that program and and because i was flat out wrong about my suspicions i didn't report anything i didn't my break news i don't do that uh, but I was wrong in my suspicions. And I talked about it. I was like, doesn't this kind of look like that training room's about to get really full? Doesn't it kind of look like a hamstring or a groin or a back injury? Because those are kind of, you know, or high ankle. Doesn't it look like that's about to happen? Because it happened in 2020. And you didn't fire the coach then. Doesn't it look like, yeah, mm-mm, that has not happened. A player like Damone Clark, he should have been first in line. He should have been Terrence Marshall. He should have been, yeah, I'm out. He should have been. It's been the opposite. He's like, all right, more snaps for me even. Well, you're a senior and you're already starting. I know, but I'm not coming off the field at all now. All right. And they've actually started playing Mike Jones, the kid from Clemson. Ah! But... I, it, abs, he and Toronto Jones, what, uh, and everybody else over there, it was supposed to go the other way. And it's actually been really refreshing, both for the kids and the family. Man, that's going to leave me with a different taste, uh, not about whether Coach Ogeron should really be leading a program, especially one like LSU, for gosh sakes. Um, but it leaves me with a different, like he didn't mail it in. He didn't look at the administration and go, you know what, middle finger to every one of you. I'm canceling film film sessions. We'll just kind of we'll, we'll we'll just kind of go by what we know about these teams since we play them every year anyway. That is not what he's done, and there are there are places that happens. There are places where maybe you have a head coach who's already won a national championship and brought you a Heisman Trophy and maybe had two straight undefeated seasons, and he's decided he's out the door. And so yeah, it hmm, just kind of shows up at the office. There are places where that happens for with individuals. 
I believe the word like unattractive. That's kind of a word we would use in the South. Just unattractive. Ed O'Drum. And all the kids who then follow follow through on it. Really, really impressed. Now, again, bottom line is it's an offer. It will not be this weekend. It's Louisiana Monroe. But but it's been an offer. I'm going to tell you something, though. They will be able to, if there is a wound to lick and, you know, rest up and whatever, uh, there there can be some of that. Dan, where's the A&M game? It's in Baton Rouge. Oh. Am I allowed to even think about that happening? Sure. Like, okay, LSU. They could win that game. Easily. After this Saturday, which, again, if there is an opportunity to feel good about yourself, actually get a dub, um, and then set yourself up for – Wait a minute. We just won again, and now we're five and six, and we're hosting Texas A&M, and we don't really like them much anyway. Wouldn't it be a nice little cherry on a Sunday? And Ed would not coach the bowl game. Give him the Best Buy gift card. Let him have a watch. I don't know, take him on the trip. Let him eat at uh, you know the Brazilian steakhouse where you try to out eat the other team. Do all of that. He can go do the bumper cars, but. But he doesn't need to coach the bowl game, probably. But, you know, there's a chance, folks. Texas A&M, I don't know who they are on offense. I, I know on defense. I don't know who they are on offense. So, yeah, I can think about that. I can think about it. I'm not an LSU fan, coach, or player. So it's easy for me to go, oh, yeah, that can happen. So next weekend, setting themselves up for a 13th game. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. We continue Chuck Oliver's show on this Thursday. Appreciate Connor O'Gara coming on with us. Saturday down south. Also, Saturday Tradition, which is the Big Ten sister site, which uh, if you're going to have a website, and we're going to cover one conference the SEC is either the cheeseburger or pizza of, of conferences. I, it's easy, man. If we're going to pick one, we're, we're doing that one. If you're going to do a second conference, well, they pegged that one as well. So uh, good stuff there from Connor. Got uh, Will Vandervoort coming up from the Clemson Insider, hour two. Going to catch up with Clemson as they – I said yesterday there was a phrase that I never – I never really um, thought would happen, and, you know, come out of my mouth – that Clemson needs a win Saturday to gain the tiebreaker over Wake Forest. So that's a real thing because right now there's only two games left and Wake is up two games. They're undefeated in conference. Clemson is not. So it doesn't have to happen. It could be that the second loss dooms Clemson. Clemson could win. In fact, I think Clemson is going to win on Saturday. I got in yesterday. We were at Harris. Did we see this on Twitter, King CFB? I got an eight-team parlay. I was like, you know what, folks? I want your single best bet. Tweet me now. Got all manner of feedback, and then I had my own opinions, and I went through, and I had listed. Normally, if I ever do play on the weekends, it's two or three games. Maybe, maybe just two. 
when you play 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, there's no way you like all of those games the same. Um, so only play the best one. So I know I never even go beyond that, but I was like, I'm doing an eight team parlay for a hundred bucks. And I was like, let's just, you know, throw dice here. So I went through and identified my best eight and I wanted to compare and see if anybody would tweet me, uh, the same thing. And so I actually wound up with, I think 11 picks that I liked my eight best. And I was just going boom, 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 boom. Yeah, this, this, this. I'm going to skip those games. You know, whatever. <clears throat> and I think of the the 11 that I had, I then compared the feedback on Twitter and picked a final eight. I have three overs, and November is the month of overs. Y'all know why. You got teams like like literal point differential in the Big 12. I'm betting Oak State game over. Who are they playing? No, it's the Oklahoma State game. Now, they're playing. Are they playing Texas Tech? I think they are. And so I'm like, nah, I'm going over, man. Oklahoma State's going to do everything they can to score points. So I went over on two, and I think I had three favorites and two. I was take, I took Arkansas plus the 20. So I tweeted out my, my ticket. It's an 18 parlay. It, it is not going to win, most likely. But all eight of those games got winners, and the payoff is uh, $17,665. So... Let's all ride and bring this home together. 18 parlay. Uh, and one of those was Clemson minus the four. I liked that immediately, and I got respect for Wake Forest. But I, going on the road, that should mean something. It should mean something. Uh, going on the road, and it's at, I mean, it's not just at, it's at Clemson. So I laid the four. And that was on my first pass. I was like, that's the winner. And then a couple of different folks mentioned that as well one of the other games that made it like i said was arkansas plus the 20 i think it's 20 and a half and even though arkansas does not necessarily do a great job getting after opposing quarterbacks there's not a lot of discussion around the sec how are we gonna deal with that hog pass rush even though that's not the case you don't i can't believe i'm saying this you don't have to be elite to get a hit on Bryce Young or four. You don't. And with the Alabama ground game not providing as much distraction, I talked about this on Monday. Alabama, whoo, roll right along. But Bryce Young, that, that, that pocket has turned into a shooting gallery. And Arkansas is not... New Mexico State. I'm sorry. New Mexico State. New Mexico would have been at least a little more resistance. So you, you've got a real live SEC opponent who's not great at hitting quarterbacks, but you don't have to be. If you've got an SEC roster, and Arkansas does, you don't have to be. There is a bigger picture here for Alabama. And, like, there is an eventual down-the-line goal here, and that's two weeks from Saturday. The eventual down-the-line goal is for Ole Miss to not be in Atlanta. The goal is for Alabama to win this Saturday, and that is what Nick Saban wants their universe to be. Looking to a telescope, what do you see? Oh, I see, I see Saturday versus Arkansas, and that's all. That's the only thing that showed up. Nick Saban went around all the telescopes and like was like taping a picture of a hog at the end of it. That's all I see. It's Arkansas. 
That's what he wants because Arkansas can win this game. I don't believe they will, and I don't know that it will even be close. But 20 points to that offense, they can do some things. And the fact that the Alabama offensive line is kind of complicit, or maybe that's not right to work. Maybe they're enablers. We're not very good. We're trying to get better at pass rush. All right, we'll help you out. That's the scenario. So Arkansas, again, was on my care. I was on my first pass. And then, again, guys that were responding online, not anybody thought Alabama. I was like, all right, in my very unscientific 18 parlay that I don't have an expectation of winning, sure, I'll grab the huge number because of all of these scenarios that line up. 